Welcome to the Black on Black Education Podcast, where we interview the most brilliant minds and connected hearts to discuss our shared passion for the transformation, the revolution, reimagining, and recreation of education in the Black community. My name is Eva Loren Jean Charles, founder of Black on Black Education and New York City High School teacher. And I'm Jamal Thomas, her partner and dad, education enthusiast. And we're, and we're your, your host. host. Please don't forget to like, comment, share, and subscribe. And most importantly, to enjoy the episode. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of the Black on Black Education podcast. I mean, do I have to say, as always, the guest is going to introduce themselves and let you know who they are, what they do, and why they do it. All right. Um, my name is Donovan James. I am a kindergarten teacher. Um, and the reason that I do it is because kindergarten is the best grade to teach. I don't know any other thing to do. <laughs> uh, my my uh, teach in high school would beg to differ, but <laughs> teach their own, teach their own. <laughs> and, uh, and why is it that you chose teaching? Uh, I just always wanted to be a teacher and I've always loved school. I also noticed that there weren't a lot of teachers that looked like me, and I thought it'd just be really cool for kids to see a teacher that talks like them, walks like them, dresses like them, you know, is proud to be them like them. So it's really, really like that. Overall, in your in your teaching career, you know, you 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 taught kindergarten, which clearly is your favorite. Um, <laughs> but you you know, you also did like multi age settings. Like we, we talked about that before. Um, I'm always super curious about that. Like it, it seems like a you know kind of innovative model, and you know, better to me than just yeah. one, two, three. Um, could you share a little bit about that experience for us? Yeah, I really enjoyed it because we can get to the point where you know, education like now in kindergarten, like. My kids are just in kindergarten. Like, I can't just send them off to first grade to do first grade math if they're ready to do first grade math. So in a multi-age classroom, it was just really cool to know, like, I could assess a kid and be like, you know what, I'm going to move you to the next group. And that group is still in the same space. They're still with the same peers, but they're able to be challenged in that same space, which I really enjoyed. And then we did a lot of just multi-age, like, inquiry and science and social studies. So they got to work with the older students, and the older students got to interact with the younger students. So I, I think it's a really cool model that I think I wish public schools will also kind of bring into the public school system. Absolutely. I, I'm thinking about... What were some of the outcomes that you saw when students had the opportunity to work with a student who had mastered something that they hadn't or who was struggling with something that they understood? What what, what did that, that dynamic look like in the classroom? I think one thing I did notice is the decrease in behavior. I feel like sometimes when kids are bored, like they're not trying to hear what you gotta say. I don't need to do that. Like I'm bored, I know this already. And so that kind of like decreased all that, like, okay, you're, you're done with this. Let's move on to the next thing. Um, and it was just a really accepting environment, too. And it let kids know that I may not be as good of, of a reader. I may just, you know, be here. But in math, like, I'm bomb. So I get to work with the fourth graders in math, you know. So it really kind of boosts their confidence, too, in that in that sense, which I really liked. What, what was the block of age, like, from, from where to where? So it was kindergarten through fifth. Wow. Okay. So that's even that's that's a big block. I always think like kindergarten to the third, but kindergarten to fifth. 
Um, was what about the challenges around? Um, you know, fifth grader is is they just they know more. They're, they you know they I I wouldn't say like bullying or anything like that, but just you know they they, they have had more time to develop. So can you speak to you know the challenge of of uh, of having all of the students kind of blend together? Yeah, um, a lot. And the really cool thing too was there were a lot of siblings, <laughs> so there wasn't just as much. Um, but something I will note too is that in our program there were more like kindergarten and first graders, there weren't as many fourth and fifth graders. There was one year we didn't even have fifth graders because parents wanted, because they we didn't have a middle school option. So parents wanted their kids to kind of get into that public school environment. So they would take them out about fourth and fifth grade. And sometimes we wouldn't even, you know, have that. Um, but it was a small class too. There was no more than 35 kids. Um, and then so it was, there was like three teachers. So it was just a lot of small kind of group so we could kind of monitor a lot of things i mean it's just so cool like to think about it in in reality i think that i've had the opportunity to think about it in theory and like what could it look like and what should it look like but it's definitely really in, engaging to think about what it looks like in practice because yeah. uh, you all have the opportunity to actually do it and something i'm super passionate about is thinking about how we do that in secondary school and how powerful that um, can be just from development standpoint. So I, I, I'm so excited to see education begin to start to tilt that way with the increase in ideas about project-based learning, the increase in, in understanding that interdisciplinary studies make sense to implement. And so I'm really um, curious to think about how you started in that sort of setting and what it was like and what it felt like to transition um, to kind of going back to that, nope, this is how we stay. Um, uh, talk about the, the dichotomy between that and how it felt to switch. Yeah, uh, one thing I will say, I liked having my own space. I was sharing like this space with other teachers and this, uh, we, our school is a private school, so it was on a college campus. So there's people in and out, there's people observing. And so it was just nice to kind of be like, you know what, this is mine. This is my space. And, you know, teachers have different teaching styles. And so the kids are getting different styles. I have to collaborate with people with different styles. So I'm like, okay, now it's just Miss James, what Miss James want to do, how Miss James want to teach, what Miss James want to read, uh, which has been really, really awesome. And it's nice, too, that, you know, in my school, they are supportive of kids who may need a little bit more of a challenge. So I, you know, do have room to do that. Um, and kind of support them in that as well. Dope, dope, dope. And then, and when we talked in January, we we did talk a lot about like project and inquiry based learning. Um, so obviously, you did that with the you know with the with the kindergarten through fifth graders. Um, I'm curious how that's working now. While while you're focused just on, uh, on on kindergarten students, like what kind of projects or you know give give us like some questions. Um, and then and the last thing I'll add to that is like you know it, those who don't know like Donovan is known kind of as like the freshest person on Instagram, <laughs> teaching Instagram. Like she stayed like she just she always with the drip, always with the dances, all of that stuff. So does any of that get added into, you know, kind of projects that stimulates kids' minds and get them going? Yeah, so with our social studies and science projects, even though, of course, the curriculum is kind of given to me what we're going to do, with kindergarten, like when we talk about living and non-living things, like it's a like, what are you, what is a living thing? What's a non-living thing? And then like giving them space to like research that and write that down and explore um, so we do a lot of that. I do as much inquiry as I can, it's, even in math with kids, like with kindergarten, like play, they don't know they're doing math, but we're playing through math, like doing real world math, asking real questions. And so I like to 
create a space in my classroom where my kids can question and kind of do their own research. They may ask me something. I'm like, I don't know. And so we can, you know, look it up. I'm like, this is what I would do if you weren't here. And so providing that. But a lot of the dancing and the music, we do a lot of learning through that. Like we make up so many songs. Like we have a class pledge um, that we sing every morning. Uh, I they you know for studying a concept that might be a little bit difficult. I'm like, okay, let's let's pick a beat. So we'll pick a Drake beat. And they're like, I know that beat. And I'm like, well, it might should be easy to figure out how to make the song because you already know the beat. So just bringing a lot of that in there too, and um, just making connections with our style. Like my kids come in with haircuts, and I'm coming with my haircut, or they wear certain shoes. I'm like, okay, I like them shoes, you know. And they're like, I'm ask my mom where I got them. I'm like, okay. And so it's a really cool way to, you know, to build relationships too. Like Miss James dresses like me or she's wearing that or her hair. She goes to the barbershop too. And I'm like, yeah. So it's just really cool. Facts. And and if you want to, you know, drop any bars, you know, for us on the podcast, we, we're always accepting of that. You know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, you know, we had the dancing teacher on. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. You know what? I still could go to Instagram and see. But, you know, if you, you, know, if you got bars for us, we're, we're, yeah, we're here for it. I don't even remember it now. I'm thinking of it. <laughs> and I, I mean, you saying that makes me think about being in the classroom with my students. And I, I remember the first day of school, I, I, I didn't know what to wear. I didn't know how I wanted to show up. I'm like, I want my kids to think I'm corny, but I'm cool. I want my kids to think, I want them to see who I am. I want them to think it's weird that like I like to listen to Whoop D, but I'm also got to about to watch a Disney movie. Like right. I'm a very multifaceted person yeah. and I want them to see that. But how do I show up with like that on day one? I didn't, but eventually I figured it out. Um and so it was it was so cool when we're at the end of the year party and they're playing Whoop D and they're like, Miss, it's your song. I'm like, Yeah. <laughs> I and you and you're turning up with your kids and like then the day after that, when they're like, wait, hold on, but I still need to finish like X, Y, and Z because graduation's right. next week. Yeah, They're going to come to me before they come to the person who's stuffy and right. you know what I mean? Yeah. And so yeah. I, I so appreciate that, especially at such a young age, right? Because mm -hmm. I'm thinking about the only thing I remember from kindergarten is them, them white powdered donuts we used to get. <laughs> That's the only thing I remember about, about kindergarten. And I know for a fact that your students are going to remember a teacher who came in with long nails and a haircut and fresh sneakers. Yes. They're going to remember that. And they're going to know that it has something to do with how they felt like they could show up in the world. Um, so I just want to give you all the kudos for that. And so, I mean, it just kind of, it does bring into like, Early childhood education, not my wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. I'm not coming down there. Talk about like the importance of it in school, at home. Mm -hmm. Like what are what are you noticing having been an educator for kindergarten? Kids are just now getting introduced to education and to the system um, in, in that way. Please just kind of walk us through a little bit of the importance of it and the impact you've been able to make um, and how you'd like to scale that impact because we know it's necessary. Yeah, I think what's important well, to me personally is I want my kindergartners to see the importance of education and to see that, you know, that's one thing nobody can ever take away from you. Like they cannot take away your knowledge, like whatever you know, like you'll always know that nobody can take that away. And so I just think it's important with those young, like you have to start in, like you have to go in like, oh, we don't talk to people like that. And if you do, this is what's going to happen. You see what happened. That's how people are going to respond to you, you know? Um, 
even with differences in the class where we talk about that like is that okay to make fun of them for like you really have to be like i'm very upfront like hold on let's have a meeting because that ain't that ain't it like let's talk about this and i just rather them get it then than to grow up and be like dang i never knew that or you know nobody ever taught me that so with early childhood like you just have to be really honest with them because they're going to ask you or they're going to do things and if you don't correct it or support it or nurture it then you know where is it going to go um, and so I just, I have noticed that over these last few years was like kind of like the COVID, like these interactions with each other, we've been working really hard on that. They don't know how to, they're struggling with interacting with people. Like you can't talk to people like that. Like these, or they're just like all in people's space, like back up, like there's personal space. So trying to teach them now how to interact with each other, how to recognize, you know, people's space and just show them like how independent and smart that can be. You know, just fostering that young. So when they grow up, nobody's, you know, telling them, well, you can't do that. Actually, Miss James said that I could. Like, in my classroom, we are kings and queens. And how do kings and queens act? That's what it is. And my kids walk around the school like they, I tell them, y'all the best thing walking in here. Let's show them what to do. Fifth grade, four, I don't care about that. We are kings and queens. So just instilling that into them young so that can't nobody tell them nothing because they, they know who they are. Right. I, I definitely love that. And, and and you brought up something key that um, obviously we're going to be talking about for, for a long, long time. And, and, and that's COVID. And, and, you know, we're just going through this period of, of um, challenge for so many people. Um, and, you know, whenever challenges come, opportunities come as well. Um, so I, I, I want you to kind of give us your perspective on one. What was that experience like? Like, were you teaching um, virtually? Were you were you actually in the physical classroom during, during COVID? Um, and then what what have we learned that we can take as we go and we say this is what the new normal is going to be in education like so, so that we're not just going back to um the way that things were yeah so i we started off i signed up to be an in-person teacher but we started off on zoom and so we did that from like august to i believe november-ish and then my kids came in the classroom and then we went back out back on zoom and then in january when they came kind of like after that winter break then we were all back in seat so it was very interesting it was a struggle uh, because at one point we were coming to school on monday tuesday but not on wednesday and then on thursday friday and doing that with kindergartners who have been on my it was just a lot it was confusing um it was just a lot of them like a lot of transitioning for them but what i will say is that you know they they knew how to do it i mean they could figure it out like today on no school day nope today is we're like we're coming to school this day we're doing that um but i think one of the things and i've been talking to so many people about it that i appreciate and i think families did too was uh, with family teacher conferences we did those via zoom and i feel like that's the first time in a while that i had most of my family show up because it was convenient like to like there's so many families that you know work more than one job have more than one child that can't just pop in at 6 30 to come talk to you about their child but to hop on zoom but everyone you know most people have access to a phone so like chatting with people like that i hope that's something that never changes like i hope we never go back to in-person um family teacher conferences unless you know parents can't um but if there's an opportunity where a family's like, you know what, I can't make it in, like, hey, you can call me on Zoom, you can call me on the phone. I just feel it was just really, really cool to talk to families in that way and have families just show up because it was convenient for them. So I hope that in education, you know, we're just more accommodating to parents. I feel like we had to be that this year. Like you had to be accommodating. Like if a kid couldn't get on Zoom or there's some stuff going on in the background, 
you had to be okay with that because these kids are at home. And so you just really have to be, I just hope people are accommodating uh, to families more and understand that, you know, my family's probably like your family and we got stuff going on just like, you know, our students. So. Yes, I love that. And I, it makes me kind of just want to ask a little bit about like, what do you think your kids learned and what do you think your families learned uh, for the better over this time? So, of course, as we never using COVID as like this was a great time. Right. But I do think that we learned a lot um, that we need to take back into um, when we when we go back into the building. And so what do you think the kids learned about resilience and about how school works and education and communication? Mm -hmm. um, and same thing for the parents. I, I found that I think parents had a connection to the school and what oh. happened in the school yeah. way more than they ever did before. It was such a disjointed, I had no idea. And I think a lot of parents left from this whole the kid comes home and, hey, um, why did you get in trouble with so-and-so? And just choose the teacher where now you hear parents who are like, oh, you're talking to my child. Like, they ain't got no sense. So I, I just, like, talk a little bit about, like, those experiences and interactions that you've had because I definitely saw them. Yeah, for sure. For parents, I remember, like, when we came back in seat, there were a lot of parents that were like, I feel like I don't know what's going on because I'm hearing what y'all doing every day, like, so I like they kind of felt left out. And I'm like, oh my god! But they were just so used to kind of being in the classroom. I mean, I always, you know, sent out um, like newsletters each week. But I feel like this year I was like more communication because I feel like parents were like sad, like dang, like I don't know what you teach, you know, I don't know what they learning because you're not in my home anymore. Um, and I think you know what you were saying too. Like you're saying some parents are like who's talking to my child like that. I think some other parents are like who is my child talking to like that because. There were some kids in my class, I was like, <laughs> and the parents was turning that mic off, like, hold on, let me mute you, let me turn this camera off real quick, get you together, and send you back. So I do think some parents kind of got to see, you know, who their kid is when they're at school. And then for my kid, I mean, I just feel like they learned so much about technology. They were teaching me things on Zoom that I did not know that you could do, like, oh, no, Miss James, you can do that. And they knew how to hop in and hop out. Um, but I think they just learned just a different way to learn, too. Um, you can learn online. You can learn in seat. But I think a lot, like with kindergarten, it was just easier for me to have them with me. Because there's just some things you can't teach kindergartners on a computer screen. Like, you just need to physically be there with them. Yeah, just I just hope that we we, we start to use a mix, man. I, yes. you know, I hope that there are, are, are uh, you, you know, times where one if you're talking about you know having k through five in a, in a you know all in a let's say not a classroom but just you know in a, in a learning environment together so you take the classroom out of it you know maybe they're on zoom sometime doing a project answering a you know answering a question together um and coming up with things that they wouldn't otherwise come up with if, you know if, if the sage on the stage is just telling them you know kind of what to learn um throughout the whole process so uh, it, it's it's something that um i've recently you know got on the, on the school board in my local district okay. Um, you know, we're, we're in talking to parents and talking to the community. You know, you, you have people who are like, oh, my God, Zoom loved it. Mm -hmm. And people who are like, Zoom hated it. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, but uh, so you say, hey, you got options. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If everybody wants to be in the classroom every single day, um, you know, if somebody wants to have class Fridays from home, you know, you know it, it, let, let's figure out a way to make that sure. work. 
um, for students. Because some students, that could be the difference between um, saying, you know what, this school thing's not so bad versus, right. you know, versus, you know, I really just don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, I totally agree. So um, for you, we, 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 you know, we, we've talked a little bit about, you know, being the only teacher of color in, um, in your, in, in your school. And I, and I'm just, you know, kind of, I'm curious, like what, what's the dynamic of, of, of your school, like kind of social dynamic and, 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 and race kind of a, a breakdown. And then like, does it get lonely being kind of the, <laughs> the only teacher of color and, 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 you know, do you find people like they're coming to you for everything that relates to, you know, like, like black people, um, you know, share, share how that's been for you, what your experience has been there. Yeah. So in the first school that I taught at, like, I was just the only person of color, no students, no teachers. And so it was just always like, well, Miss James will know, like, no, I don't know all the experiences of all black people. Like I just don't. Um, and so now in my classroom, I mean, there's a really cool dynamic of just different colors and cultures in there. And so it's just nice to kind of have that um, as well. And there are, I believe, three educators of color in my school now. Um, and so it's, in my first school, it did get lonely because I'm like, I don't have nobody to relate to me. You know, you know, black people would be having that look like, girl, I couldn't, I didn't have nobody looking like that in the meetings, like, what's going on, you know? <laughs> um, and so it is just nice to be around other people that look like you, whether it's kids or, you know, or adults. Um, I feel like, I don't know, there's a mix. Like some people will come to me and ask me things about certain things. And then other times, you know, I'm just kind of in my room doing my thing. You know, I got stuff out in the hallway. People are like, oh, what's that? And I'll talk to them about it. Um, but it, it's, it's even though they're not a lot of people that look like me, it is a very supportive environment. People do want to know like, okay, like what is it that you're doing? How are you doing that? with these kids or in this classroom or in this time or where do you find time to do that? And I'm like, you really want to know? But um, <laughs> it is nice to kind of see some people that do look like you, especially like little people who look like you. Um, it's just, it's, it's a lot better. Yeah. I mean, one, because you know that you're making the impact in their life. Yeah. And then also to think going back to the conversation about um, people who look like you and, and being in schools and having that person to look to. We also do have to discuss the fact that you said like this, this you only have three people of color, but it's a supportive environment because there's some people who work in all black spaces or all minority spaces or all people of color spaces that don't feel supported, that feel overwhelmed that feel under underappreciated and all these other things. So I think it's important to bring in that part um, because we often make a, a very sharp delineation of, okay, you don't work with any people of color. So that means it has to be a right. bad situation. Now, is it important for the kids in the school to have a diverse yeah. um, teaching staff? Absolutely. But it's also important for them to have a staff that understands right. the needs of those people. Um, and so talk a little bit about your experience as an educator and how it inspired um, Black History Club and like just give people a rundown of what that is. And just, I mean, it's the reason we found you and it's just so cool uh, to think about not only I'm teaching and learning in my classroom, but I'm teaching and learning outside of to, to a wider community. Um, talk a little bit about how that was um, created. Yeah, so I just always feel like the Black History Club was in my classroom. Like that's 
look, I mean, black history is important, just like any other history in my classroom. Like we, we talk about everybody, but it was just a space where I felt like I could be black, like in my classroom, I can be as black as I want to be. And my kids are going to accept that. Um, and I could teach black, they could learn black, I could show blackness, like blackness is in here. And so I just always feel like it was like this little exclusive club, like, oh, yep. And so I had um, some families ask if I did like black history tutoring. <laughs> I was like, no, I don't do that. But I've been like, the, you know, pounding this idea about creating this black history club. Um, so last year I had about 15 kids who we met on Zoom every week for an hour. And all we did was talk about black history. Um, and they get, um, so you have to pay for black history club and they get a t-shirt, they get a book about um, a black historical figure. I have like stickers um, and it's a multi-age group. So it's like, it's pre-K-ish. I had two four-year-olds on there last year who were phenomenal all the way up to sixth grade. And we talked about black history. Each month was a theme. So we talked about the Black Panther Party. Uh, we talked about the Tulsa Race Massacre. We talked about black music, black art. We did something different every month. And um, they had assignments sometimes, but it's just really cool. Like they really created a community in a safe place for them to question, you know, well, why did that happen? And why are we not doing that now? Like, why are we not doing what the Black Panthers are doing now? And I'm like, I don't know. Uh, so they, it was just, you know, a place for them to kind of feel like, you know what, I can talk about that here. Um, and it, it's not just Black kids and Black History Club. There's all kinds of kids there. And it was just a really cool place for them to collaborate. Uh, the older ones were supporting the younger ones. The younger ones feel like they could speak up to and share information. Um, and so it was just really cool um, for their last, I guess, kind of, they or I guess, project. They um, actually have art on display in a local museum that they created for the Tulsa Race Massacre. And then we had a like reception, we had food. And so a few of the young historians came, but it's just really cool to have kids like from over the, all over the country, just pop in Zoom for an hour every uh, week and just chat and talk about blackness, the blackness that they're not hearing and talking about at school. So it's, it's really cool. So, so you, I mean, you bring up a, a great point in that um, they're not talking about in school. And so I'm curious, you know, have you made an attempt to bring, you know, Black History Club to your school? And and the second part of that question is, is it, you know, it is important, obviously, not just for Black kids to learn Black history. Yes. You know, talk about why um, it's important for everybody yep. to learn Black history. Absolutely. Um, yes, that's my goal to bring, like, make Black History Club, like, an, a physical, like, right after school, like, hey, let's meet for Black History Club. Um, so that is definitely something I've been working on. Um, but I, like I said, I work in a classroom with all white students and like we talk black history and it's important because it, it's just history like they need to know who invented you know it's not a white person that invented that or I mean a black person invented that or a Hispanic person invented that or you know a Native American invented that it's just important history for them to know and you know in society I mean black people they, they don't paint us to be the best people and so I think it's important especially for kids who may not be black to just see like how excellent we are and how we're everywhere like everything stems from us like we are we're dope we, we just are and not to say that nobody else is but I mean come on um it's just really important to kind of see that and and they relate to it like even though you know they're not black I know we learn because I want my kids to like see the full picture of people like yes um, this person did this, but you know, like when we talk about Martin Luther King Jr., like, 
okay, yes, he he marched and did this, but he was also a dad. Like he was also a husband. Um, like Coretta Scott King, like let's talk about her, you know, let's talk about everything that was happening at that time. So to really humanize these people for students is just really cool. And no matter what color they are, like they really relate to these people and see what they were trying to do and they can have these discussions in the classroom. And I think in this moment to hear what you just said, it 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 is so important, right? And I say that because we're in a space where critical race theory is something that is being banned across the country. And what you just talked about is critical race theory in education. Mm. Critical, a part of critical race theory in education is telling counter stories. Right. That is a tenant of critical race theory. Mm. And so if we were able to, to better have a conversation about that, which I feel like obviously you are very good at, mm -hmm. um, it, 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 we were just able to better communicate the reasons why it is important to discuss the differences between us, but but the reason that the differences should not be a reason to disconnect us, but to connect right. us, Absolutely. because there are so many commonalities um, in different cultures. And so, I, I mean, what do you say to the people that think that what you're doing is a problem because your kids are too young? They're not ready for that. It's too much. Uh, for them to know all of that right now. They don't need it. Mm -hmm. um, talk to that person who's who's kind of stuck in this mindset that you need to get to a certain age to be able to discuss um, race, class, and, and and all the other things that you, that you speak with your students about. Yeah, I would just tell you that that's not true. Um, and it's all in how you present it, you know, how you present this information, how you teach it to them, and allowing them to process it. Like, there are you know, there's just a way to talk to kids about things. And so my way is always picture books. Like there are so many fabulous picture books out there that teach all kinds of history. Um, but these kids are living this life. Like the current events that I may bring up in the classroom, a lot of my kids have already talked about at home or saw on TV or they're bringing it in. Like, did you see what happened on the news? Or they're talking to each other about it. So if I don't foster that in my classroom, then where is that being fostered? Like who's showing them the facts or, you know, who's supporting that? Like, oh, yep, I did see that that happened. Like, how are you feeling about it so creating this space for them to learn that but I mean they're not too young I mean if you you could talk to my kids that they know a lot and a lot of the things that I don't know if they retain but that they definitely do they remember all kinds of things because they'll say things like well you know a long time ago we wouldn't all be together and I'm like well why is that they're like what's that word Seg segregation I'm like yay segregation so they know these terms they know these things they know um, the importance of black people and Hispanic people and you know they, they just know all of that they bring it in there I know we've had conversations about men wearing dresses and my kids are like you know what men can wear dresses didn't Miss J read a book about that and they're like you know like well, you're right you're right I mean they're having these like little conversations and I just facilitate and I support that um, because they're they're people at the end of the day, kids are people and they're growing up in this world and they're engaging with certain people inside and outside of school. And if I'm not going to have these conversations with them in the classroom, I don't know who is. And this is a safe place for them to be. But they get it and they understand and they see it. And I have kids who have brown skin, so they're feeling it, too. So, you know, it, it's there. And yeah, they get it. And and the thing is, is you know, kids tend to have a a, a sense, um, an innate sense of fairness. Like you know, they 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 haven't been jaded um, by the world, you know, just just uh, just yet. Especially at that age, you know, they they yeah. tend to feel like, wait, they did what to yeah. who? 
how? Like, oh my goodness. So, you know, particularly if you're the first person, you know, bringing, bringing this to them, you don't have to, you know, indoctrinate. You no. just put it in front of them, you know, like this is what happened. Um, and they know that those, that those things are wrong. And of course, the earlier, the better to get that in that, that, that type of, um, empathy in their, you know, in, in, in their hearts and, and in their minds and having them start to think about um, how they want to show up in the world. Yeah. They, they know, I don't ever want to do anything, you know, right. like, oh, I'm going to be nice to you. I'm going to be nice to you. I'm going to be nice to you. Oh, you want to dress different? You know what? Cool. Come on over here. Give me a hug. Like mm -hmm. it, kids are, are, are they, 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 they generally just have that. So, you know, it's, it's the adults that need not to <laughs> stamp these things out yeah. or pull these things out of them. Just, you know, let, let them foster those feelings. So, yeah. um, absolutely. You know, Kudos to you for 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 uh, continuing to to <laughs> to make it happen for these kids. Yeah, and I think like so something that you said in the in the pre-call that I wanted to make sure was named and quoted. Uh, you said we put on children that they're not smart, empathetic, or wise enough to have this conversation, and nine times out of ten, they're that we're wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, and and I think and then that one time where we're where we're right, it's because it was said wrong. It right. wasn't said it wasn't explained correctly. They needed more context. They needed more information. The reality is, is that with my four-year-old cousin, I can have a conversation about segregation with her as someone who looks very, very phenotypically different from me. Mm -hmm. And she will, she walks out and is friends with her white friends and is friends with her black friends and, and, and wants to be a doctor to mm -hmm. help all people and do all yeah. things. And then when you give them this information, you create the next doctors and lawyers that aren't, um, that aren't socialized to believe that the system has to stay the way it is. So I think that what you're doing is so powerful and so impactful. Um, and I, I think I want you to kind of leave people with how do they, we're not stealing nobody's idea, but how do they create their own black history club? How do they, they get their kids and yours? Um, what are the ways that they get to, do this with their children, particularly for those folks who it's not happening at school. Mm -hmm. And so for the teachers, the educators, the parents, the families who want their kids to learn and understand these things, but don't know where to start, talk a little bit about that for them. Yeah, um, I just think you have to start with like, what is it that you want to do? What are you interested in? A lot of what I uh, share um, and learn with my young historians in the Black History Club is things that like I'm interested in. Like uh, we have, I have so many ideas for this next year because I never want to teach the same thing over and over again. But just think of some things that we're not learning about. Like we we don't talk about black cowboys. Like there were black cowboys. We don't we because we don't see them on TV either. So just thinking about things that are interesting to you or that your your kids may bring up in our uh, you know inquiring about and bring that in and bring in lots of books and bring in pictures and pictures of black people in color. Now, I know sometimes that's hard to find, you know, older pictures, but pictures of Malcolm X in color look so cool to my kids. Like, they're like, Miss James, where did you find that picture of Malcolm X? Like, do you know him? Like, no, I don't know him. But just presenting it, because it makes history not seem so far away to them, like, when they can see these people, like, live in color. So just bringing in artifacts and just allowing them to process it and talk about it and question. You may not have every answer. I know sometimes that can kind of hinder us. We're like, well, I don't know what to say. What if they ask me this? You're not going to have all the answers. I don't have all the answers either, but you have to be willing to do the research and find the answers and be honest. Like, well, I don't know. Well, let's find out. Um, and so that's a really cool way to kind of 
uh, to build a Black History Club and get a group of people who are interested and will support you and y'all can make it, you know, real cool. Like, I want mine in person, so I'm waiting for that. But yeah, you know, find some people that support you and um, bring that stuff together and just let your kids, you know, really immerse themselves in the history and learn about um, these people. Dope, 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 dope. So we're coming to that point in the, in, in the podcast where we kind of flip things around a little bit and we give you the opportunity to become the interviewer. So if you have a uh, you know, question for Eva or myself or both of us, uh, you know, now's the time. No, I, I, I just want to ask y'all, like, where do y'all see yourselves like in a year or so? Because I just love what y'all do, like the post that y'all post. I'm like, I'm going to screenshot that. I'm going to share that. I'm going to do that. I, I mean, it's just really cool. So like, where do y'all see yourselves by like next year? Where is Black on Black Education going to be doing? So I guess if, if if I start, you know, you know, it, it, me and be like we would have created like a thousand schools, and you know, like <laughs> <laughs> so, so so I I would I would I would tend to add way too many things to you know, I I overestimate what can get done in a year, gotcha. and and then underestimate what can get done in five. So you know, it, it's it's I'm, I'm trying to think more about the five, but just in that in the course of the next year, we we have uh, we, we we're you know five hundred one three C pending now, um, and you know we have a number of different things that we. We're focused in on, and we go back and forth with each other over, you know, which direction we should take things. Right now, you know, we're wrestling with focus groups and what that might look like to go through focus groups with students, focus groups with teachers, focus groups with administrators, focus groups with school boards, um, as well as the, the the kind of federal and state, you know, officials who, who are part of education, and then looking at where are the areas of intersection wow everybody agrees on this over here but everybody disagrees over this over here yeah. try to navigate the the overall conversation because this thing is you know education is a behemoth um and if we don't have the you know the rest of the revolution that you know my man principal ra um talks about you know we need all hands on deck so we, you know, we kind of want to i want to formalize you know how how we ask um ask those questions and how we explain that to the overall community and and i want to do that too <laughs> um, <laughs> on the 501c3 side, I definitely want to be able to use that research, but I, I mean, it's for a purpose. I, I never, ever, 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 ever want to stop working with kids. I don't ever want to get into a job where I don't get to be young because I'm around young people and I'm around people who think differently than I do and engage with the world differently than I do. Um, so I always want to work with kids. Now, does that mean I want to work for the system? <laughs> No, ma'am. Um, so I think that I want whatever we do in the next year to set us up to be able to create education spaces where kids feel seen, heard, loved, cared for. Um, and then on the business side, we want to keep holding conferences. We want to keep holding conversations. We want to keep supporting educators that are still working in the classroom um, because the reality is, is that that work can't stop. And so over the course of the next year, we have some uh, really cool like merch that's going to be coming out to support educators in their classroom, discussion prompt card decks, um, affirmation card decks for them to like it, it sometimes it's just the fact that you're an educator you got a million and one things to do yeah. a day and the last thing you want to do is create this this and this for your class so we want to do the work for you so that yeah. the kids still get what they need um, so over the course of the next year it's just going to be building it's going to be engaging it's going to be um, creating community and the biggest thing we're excited about is that we're starting in two or it's not even two weeks next week um, the black and black education teacher action board which 
is a collaborative space. Um, and over the course of the next 10 months of the rest of the school year, uh, we're going to come together once a month for two hours to discuss the work, to develop each other professionally, um, and to do the things uh, that help us go into the classroom being anti-racist and culturally responsive. So I am extraordinarily excited about starting that. Um, and, and, and we're just gonna keep doing what we're doing, figuring out as we go, building the blocks. Um, and that, that's, that's it. Yeah, well, I love what y'all do. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, uh, thank, thank you. As well. Um, any last things you want to leave folks with? Um, how to get in touch with you? Uh, what ways that they might be able to support your efforts and, and, and everything you're doing? Yeah, so um, you can follow me on Instagram at Queendom Teaching. Um, and I think from there, maybe not. There's also an Instagram page for the Teaching Black History Club as well. Um, you can just kind of see what it is that we do um there and if you want to sign somebody up or if you want to message me about sponsoring a kid for the black history club please 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 let me know um and i just want to leave y'all with you know if you leave black history out of your curriculum you're doing it on purpose so mm. you know that's that's just that um but teach oh these God. babies teach these babies they can learn it they they can do it i promise i promise uh, you. mic drop moment Oh. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing else to be said. Have a good one, y'all. <laughs>